Hi, I'm Louise Hamlin and I live in England on the South Coast and I used to be a lawyer. The reason I'm here today is because I have written a book called WhatsApps from Heaven about the extraordinary signs I received from my husband after he passed. Well, I used to be a law lecturer at Cambridge University and I met the man who was going to become my husband in 2005. We were both divorced, we were both lawyers, and the next year we got together. We subsequently got married and we were incredibly happy. It really was the most perfect marriage. In late 2018, he started to feel unwell, went to see the doctor and was told that he had stage four bile duct cancer and had three months to live. And it was built from the blue because he'd always been so healthy. He was 71, but he was very vigorous. He had the energy and the strength of a man, you know, half his age. It was earth shattering when he got this diagnosis. We obviously tried everything we could, but three months later, he died. Before he died, but when we knew he was dying, we talked about death and dying. He said he wasn't scared of death, but he was scared of dying and the pain involved. And I was scared about that for him. We talked about whether or not there was life after death. We were both lawyers, as I've said, and neither of us thought it was likely or probable, but neither of us closed our minds completely to it. Patrick, my husband, his take on it was, well, if there's nothing after you die, then that's nothing to be worried about. And if there is life after death, well, I think I've led a good enough life for it to be okay. And that was true because he had been a very, very honourable and honest and straight man of great integrity. So he died. And if you have ever lost a loved one, you will know the, the depths of grief that one is thrown into. I was absolutely devastated. So then a few strange things started to happen. Four or five days after he died, a friend sent me a WhatsApp and she said, Louise, I don't know whether I ought to tell you this or not, but I was thinking about Patrick this morning and hoping that he was okay. And I asked him to send me a sign to let me know that he was okay. And I asked him to send me a flame. And then I went about my day and I forgot about it. And this evening, just now, I went to draw my curtains because it was getting dark. And there was this tall, thin flame coming from the next door garden. And I rushed and got my phone and took a photograph. And here's a photograph of it. And then it died down. And it was very unusual. I had no idea what caused it. I think that it was a sign from Patrick. I don't believe in coincidences. So I saw this. And I saw the photograph and the flame. And it was strange. It was just one tall, thin flame. But I did believe in coincidences. And so, you know, this did not convince me that Patrick was okay. Then this same friend, she WhatsApped me again after Patrick's funeral. And she said, hey, Louise, I was driving home from the funeral. And I again thought I would ask for a sign. And so I asked Patrick to play I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. And she said, I asked for that because it's a song that I like from my childhood, but I've never heard it on the radio. And anyway, she said, I got home and it hadn't played on the 
car radio as I was driving home. But the next morning, I went to the station to collect my parents who were coming to stay. And while I was waiting on the platform, guess what they played over the tannoy? I've never heard it played anywhere in this country. And I thought that Patrick was saying hi. And again, I thought it was a coincidence. I didn't really believe in an afterlife, but I'm a great one for cognitive dissonance because I was also worried sick about how Patrick was and whether he was okay or not. And I really wanted to have reassurance that he was okay. And so I went to a medium quite soon after he had died. And this was this was not a success. It was not very happy because I don't think that the medium could connect to Patrick at all. And she ended up being rather cross with me because she kept on saying, oh, is he a military man? I'm saying, well, no. And oh, he's a so-and-so, so-and-so. And I was saying, well, no, that doesn't sound like Patrick at all. Um, and so she got a bit ratty and impatient and it was a failure. I'm very pleased that I didn't abandon the idea of going to see a medium after this first unsuccessful meeting. About two months after this first unhappy encounter, I thought I would try again. And I went onto the internet and looked and found a medium who was about one and a half hours drive from where I live. So I rang her up and she answered the phone and I said, hello, my name is Louise. I didn't give her surname. And I said, my husband died in February and I would like to come to see you to see if I can make contact with him. And she said, mm, February might be a bit early. Oh, he died in the middle of February, didn't he? And I said, yes, thinking, well, how did she know that? And then she said, well, this is just on the phone after we've been talking for about you know, one minute tops. He died on the 16th of February. So I said, no, he lost consciousness on the 16th, but he actually died on the 18th. Well, she said, he's telling me that he died on the 16th. So that's what I'm writing down. And I was gobsmacked because I thought she didn't get that from telepathy, even though that's extraordinary as it is, because in my mind, Patrick had died on the 18th of February. But I can quite understand why he thought he had died on the 16th, because that's when he lost consciousness. Anyway, I went to see her the following week, and it was immensely consoling. She saw him, she described him in great and very accurate detail. Both she described what he looked like, what he was wearing, um, and she described his character as well. One of the things that I really liked was she said, he doesn't have a malicious bone in his body. And I thought that's so true. And she said things that, you know, she could not possibly have made up. So, for example, she said, he's giving me a cornflower. Why is he showing me and giving me a cornflower? And I knew exactly why. Because when we'd got married, the cornflower had been the flower that he had worn in his buttonhole and ushers and the best man had worn cornflowers. And then she said, oh, he's pointing to his feet and he's got slippers on and he's laughing. Why is he doing that? Again, I understood because when the undertakers asked me to send in clothes to put on the body in the coffin, I thought, what shall I send in? And I thought, well, he was happiest when he was outside doing things in the country. So I sort of sent his his country work clothes. But then I looked at his boots and I thought, oh, they'd be very heavy for him. And so I sent his slippers. So it was an odd combination, sort of outside work clothes, 
and slippers. And I can understand. He would have thought that was very funny. And yeah, yeah, that made great sense to me. So that was a great success. And so I began to think, well, you know, maybe, maybe. So I'll ask for a sign. And I asked for a feather because I had read that it's easy for people who passed to um, send feathers. So I asked for a feather and it was tea time one afternoon and I was sitting in the attic of my son's house where I was staying. And anyway, no feather appeared. But shortly afterwards, I had a WhatsApp from a friend who said, oh, Louise, I was gardening. It was tea time. And I was thinking of Patrick and two big fat white feathers floated down in front of me. And I couldn't see anything that would have caused them to do that. And I'm sure it was Patrick. So I was getting slightly fed up by this time that my friends seemed to be getting signs and not me. What I don't know now is whether he had been sending me signs and because I was so grief stricken, I just didn't see them or whether for some reason it was easier for him to send signs to my friends who were obviously slightly less caught up in grief. But eventually somebody suggested that I should ask for a feather on a train because I was about to be getting two or three trains the next day. So I did that. And the next day, I got onto the first train and the carriage was quite crowded. I could see a couple of empty seats at the far end. So I rushed and quickly sat down. And I glanced down at the seat next to me and there was a feather. And you know why there was a feather on this seat? Who knows? So various things like this happened and I was becoming slightly more hopeful, if you like, that there was an afterlife, but I wasn't convinced. And you have to remember that I am a lawyer. And so I like everything to be, you know, absolutely proved and black and white. And then one day I left my phone in the kitchen and I left the house and the house was empty. Nobody there, no animal there. The door was locked, no radio was on. So the house was silent as well. And I should say that I live in a very rural location. So there would have been no noise from outside. When I got back about half an hour or so later, I picked up my phone and I found that it had opened itself into WhatsApp. It had opened itself into sending a message to Maria. And in the message box, there were words and words. Some were proper words. Other, others were sort of gobbledygook words. I mean, I couldn't make head or tail of it, but it was very, very extensive. And I couldn't work out how on earth that had happened. And I was about to delete it, and then I thought, hmm, I don't know. And so I sent it to Maria, who is a psychic, and she is a medium. And I said, look, Maria, this is what I found on my phone, all ready to send to you. I've no idea how it got there or what it is. What do you think? And she replied, I have no idea, Louise. I should perhaps say here that I had been to see Maria a little while before, and she had had all sorts of lights from Patrick and orbs, and it had been quite a light show, actually. When I had contacted her, and asked her if I could see her and I'd sent her a whatsapp asking if I could see her I'd been given her name and as soon as she read the whatsapp all sorts of orbs of light started circling her in the sitting room and she knew imme immediately 
she said that she had to see me straight away. It was so weird with these orbs of light. So she actually cancelled appointments the next day so she could see me the next day. So I'd had all this stuff on my phone and I sent it to her and neither of us had understood it. But the next day, she sent me a WhatsApp saying, Hey, Louise, I found this on my phone all ready to send to you. And I didn't do it. And it was a, sh a shorter paragraph. Some of it was gobbledygook, but some of it wasn't. And three times it said, darling, it's me. And I had a whole gamut of emotions overtook me. I was surprised and amazed and hopeful. But of course, a little bit of me thought, is Maria just making this up? And she is a very down-to-earth wife and mother. And I couldn't see any reason why she would have made it up. But the alternative was that Patrick really was able to manipulate WhatsApp, which seemed extraordinary. And over the next couple of months, more of these messages came and Maria found them on her phone ready to send to me and again they were never accurately written but you could always sort of understand the import of what he was trying to say you know things like the happiest years ever and all sorts of things like that and I really really was let's say 95% convinced that this showed that Patrick from the afterlife was able to send whatsapps. I read a lot about it and apparently there is quite a lot of evidence out there that people in the afterlife can manipulate the latest technology and have sent emails and can send phone calls. Quite extraordinary. I still had this little bit of doubt though. I lost the doubt and I became totally convinced that Patrick's spirit has survived on the 6th of August after he had died in February. On the 6th of August, I was out walking my dog. When I got home, there was two notifications to me from WhatsApp saying that I had created two WhatsApp groups at six minutes past 11. One group consisted of Patrick and me. One group consisted of Patrick, his daughter and me. And the groups were sort of properly labelled Hamlin's and Hamlin family. At the time, I had no idea how to create a group in WhatsApp. And it's not immediately straightforward. It's not something that you could do by mistake or by accident or very, very quickly. And I looked at this and I knew that I had not created these groups. And I just stared and stared at the phone and thought, that must be Patrick. And in fact, it was his daughter's birthday that day. And I think that he included his daughter in one of the groups to give her a birthday present to say to her, hey, my spirit has survived. And from that day, I have known that our spirit survives. And I cannot tell you how consoling this has been to me in my grief. The signs continued. The WhatsApps continued, but also other signs as well. I, I'm getting fewer signs from him now, but I still do get the occasional sign. And I sort of feel that he knows now that I know that he is okay 
and he still loves me and I still love him and you know we're both okay. It's now four years since he died and against all expectation I would say that I am happy again but it took a long time, a very long time and so if you are bereaved I think you do have to really give yourself a lot of TLC and don't try and appear ready to engage with life again until you really are. One of the things I found was that people would say to me when I met them, oh, how are you? And I knew that they wanted me to say, oh, fine, so that then, you know, we social niceties having been fulfilled, we could go and talk about whatever. And I wasn't fine. For at least two years, I was not fine. So I ended up saying, oh, I'm just living in the moment or oh, I just take it day by day and that was enough to satisfy them but also it was truthful and I couldn't say I was fine because I thought that was disrespectful to Patrick and it was a lie but I'm living day by day it was truthful so that was what I did and everybody's bereavement is different and we all grieve in different ways I grieve by really being a zombie for a lot of the time friends and neighbors and family sort of would come around with meals and things because I just didn't have the energy to cook for myself and I didn't have the appetite either. And I just let them do that because I didn't have the energy to try and do it myself. And I think do accept help, do accept support, do accept love from your friends and family when you are bereaved. You have to, you need to if you're going to survive.